Welcome to Law Technology Now with host Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of ALM's award-winning magazine, Law Technology News. Hear the latest about technology for the legal community. If it's tech, it's a topic right here. And welcome to our March issue of Law Technology Now, proudly sponsored by our friends at LexisNexis, whom we thank very much. Uh, I have a great show for you today. I'm really excited about my guests who are two of my uh, favorite members of my kitchen cabinet who I turn to whenever I have a question about uh, salaries and staffing and trends in terms of dealing with IT and litigation support folks. They are two folks we affectionately call headhunters, uh, David Cowan and Michael Potters. And uh, David, let's start with you. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about your role at the Cowan Group and what you guys do? The Cowan Group is an executive search firm based in New York. It specializes in e-discovery and litigation support professionals from coast to coast. Uh, we essentially represent 75 of the top 200 law firms, and we assist them with talent acquisition and talent management uh, for lit support and e-discovery professionals, primarily for project managers and above. And we provide those same services for uh, vendors uh, and for major corporations uh, in, uh, in legal. So mostly legal technology and e-discovery, Monica. And you, like your colleague Michael Potters, uh, does a lot of great surveys, which I always love getting. Michael, uh, would you tell us a little bit about what your role is and what the Glenmont Group is? Uh, sure, Monica. Uh, Michael Potters. We started the Glenmont Group 10 years ago. Actually, March 1st will be our 10th year anniversary. Uh, similar to the Cowan Group, uh, Dave and I are friends, and we have great respect for one another. We sort of work in four verticals uh, with uh, a large percentage of our work being in legal IT, but we also support the vendor area quite uh, strongly with sales, the whole sales silo with sales, project management, sales engineers, subject matter experts on up to upper management. So we go across um, uh, the law firms, corporate legal, uh, the vendor side, uh, the vendor community, and the consultancy area um, with a uh, uh, covering both uh, IT areas and uh, business development. Well, there's always some wonderful things to talk about with both of you, but the the issue I'd like to start with is something I wrote about in my blog, The Common Scold. I was very fascinated to see a report that came out of CIO Insight that was suggesting that it looks like we baby boomers are actually possibly, maybe, perhaps, <laughs> thinking about actually retiring. <laughs> and the uh, I know personally that the uh, recession and the economic uh, uh, turmoil has made me fret that I would only see retirement when they carted me out of ALM in a gurney body bag, a la CSI. But um, uh, it, according to the CIO Insight study, it's looking like some folks are actually thinking about it in the next couple of years. Um, the 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 point that the author of that article made, and you can you can um, uh, get the details on the article and a link to it on my blog www.thecommonscold.com, was that the law firms and the well not just law firms because he was writing for broader broader uh, audience, but that organizations simply are not prepared for this and they are going to face a pretty massive brain drain. So I turned to both of you and you were kind enough to give me quotes in the article. 
about what you thought the impact of this would be on the legal community. And I was kind of surprised by some of your answers. Um, Michael, let's start with you. Uh, Do you think that the law firms are going to be blindsided? And if so, why? Well, I think there's a a bit of a dichotomy going on. Um, To a certain degree, they are prepared for this, and they do know they're losing some of their talent. And in some areas, they're addressing it by bringing in and mentoring uh, sort of a farm team. So they're bringing in people and making sure that they're teaming them uh, respectfully with these senior people, the baby boomers like ourselves, uh, and mentoring with them so that uh, firm-wide domain expertise gets shared across the board, and this farm team can then uh, come up and and, um, uh, uh, use this knowledge uh, and still be able to uh, help the firm out without losing any of this uh, uh, the brain the brain talent or that brain drain that you're talking about. But I would say that's in a minority. Most of the firms uh, are just maybe in disbelief, uh, uh, not thinking it's going to happen. And when it does happen, they're going to be blindsided and they're going to be forced to, to then recruit, come to people like David and I, and uh, replace this uh, th- these uh, senior people with. Um, the skill sets with other um, very skilled senior people as well. The problem with that is that it becomes very, very expensive to do that. So that's, the point is that I'm seeing both some firms preparing for it by uh, creating a farm team underneath them to um, uh, partner with the uh, senior people to get these skills, and then other firms just to uh, are ignoring it, and, and they will be blindsided. I would say the firms that are going to be blindsided are in the majority. And I want to get back to a couple of points and one point about cross-training. But first, let's go to David. David, what is your sense? Do you agree that the firms are uh, maybe not really using enough foresight on this? I think the legal community in general uh, tends to be reactive. So if you take 200 major law firms or 500 major corporations and you look at a, a corporate law department or you know, you take a look at the uh, 200 top law firms in the United States, they're not going to be proactive about this. They don't have a history of being proactive about these kinds of causes. You know, uh, They tend to be very reactive. So uh, I think they'll, they'll react to this again. Uh, and with regards to retirement, you know, I, I don't see that as, as, as such a having a huge impact, probably more of an impact on corporate America than law firm America. Uh, there's probably going to be enough talent around uh, to, uh, to satisfy the needs. Um, you know, when I think of talent and law from America, you know, it's strategic talent that's thinking about the work, and then there's the tactical operational talent that does the work. I don't think we're going to run out of thinkers. Uh, and if we do, there's a lot of that talent that's coming on, uh, coming online now uh, from, from other industries and or some of that's being offshored. I wonder if part of the reason for this, as I think about it, the, I think you're probably right about the idea that legal may have a different uh, a reaction to this than some of more corporate America. Do you both think uh, that this might be a result of the how badly legal was impacted by the recession? Uh, because it seemed that legal and finance took such big hits compared to perhaps other professional um, um, uh, organizations. Well, interestingly, uh, at the law firm level, what we noticed uh, where all the firms laid off both staff and lawyers uh, almost equally. It was um, sort of a non-judicious approach to the layoffs. So uh, a firm would lay off uh, 100 attorney and 100 staff, or 200 attorney, 200 staff, 
And we we started seeing this really about two years ago, even before um, the problem sort of arose. We saw the layoffs beginning to percolate up. But what ended up happening is the firms that addressed this early and did these layoffs early also got out of it early and started hiring back the talent. So the firms that started their layoffs two years ago maybe six to nine months afterwards when they saw the impact on the work, started hiring back very aggressively some of the top talent. Not the ones that they laid off, but the talent that was available on the street on it. The firms that um, have done it more later in that cycle, uh, last year and even over the last six months, are still um, uh, sort of in harm's way and haven't hired back that talent yet. And those are the firms that are really at, those are the firms that are really at risk. Absolutely. If you look at current state, there are 25 major law firms in the United States that have uh, a growing and expanding workload. And those 25 firms are expanding their uh, their talent acquisition. They're looking for talent right now, attorneys, non-attorneys, lit support, e-discovery, uh, across the board. There are 25 firms in the United States that are doing remarkably well, and they are looking for talent from everywhere. And although they're not quite driving salaries up yet, they are driving for that demand for talent. If you're not in that space, and you're trying to hold on to your talent against that force, it's, it's, like, it's like swimming upstream. Very, very difficult. I, I don't think those firms uh, will, will, uh, will be able to compete for talent, and that's going to create probably more strategic outsourcing than we might be imagining right now, which is another topic and not one that we're on right now, but I think worth noting. Let me ask a blasphemous question. <laughs> In every organization you know, whether it's corporate politics or longevity or seniority, whatever. They're the folks who are the true performers, the true visionaries, whatever. And then there's the the folks that are affectionately known as some variation of Deadwood. Do you think during the recession that the law firms or law departments, maybe they didn't even think about this, but in doing the layoffs, was some of this good old Darwin getting rid of the folks who they really had wanted to get rid of and really didn't have a, really couldn't do before? Or was it really more, oh my God, we're in this panic mode. We don't dare lay off fewer um, IT or lit support folks than, than the lawyers and just chop, 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 chop. And the follow-up question on it is, for the good folks that went, is this a blessing in disguise? Because I sure know a lot of really top people who got laid off because of the economy and ended up in far better positions than they would have if they had stayed with their organization. Mike, you probably – Mike, let me, ask, let me just twist that question and ask Michael with regards to lit support. I don't think there was a lot of deadwood in lit support. I think there were probably some partners and associates that they wanted to get rid of, and that absolutely fits Monica's profile. But did, did you find a lot of dead wood in the lit support? You yeah, well, I, again, we saw it a little bit differently. Um, and I actually had a conversation with a firm administrator about six months ago. What seemed to happen, and this goes back to when I was saying the layoffs were just sort of a numbers game when they were happening. It was uh, 100 lawyers, 100 staff, 200 lawyers, 200 staff. They were not judicious layoffs. And yes, they were targeting the deadwood. And they were probably uh, maybe 25% of these people, not necessarily deadwood, but people who were effective, stable, not well, not necessarily driven employees, but 
uh, you know, good, solid employees to have. And then there were the top 25%. And some of those people got laid off. It really was some across the board. People, during these mass layoffs, they lost great talent. Now, the Deadwood people, I'm sure the firms were glad that they got rid of, and some of those relanded in some areas. Those middle-level people, I think that they were not thrilled with losing those. And the top ones, they clearly were not uh, thrilled with losing. And when they hired back people, they hired back to critical spaces first and then tried to fill in and get more loyal staff. But I'd be lying to say that there wasn't a clear attempt to get rid of the deadwood. A lot of this deadwood were probably more senior people paid a little bit more, and it was a way to drive um, the salaries down. And I also think a factor that might have kicked into this is some very surprising implosions of firms. Um, I mean, most recently uh, with Howry, which um, had always seemed to me to be fairly innovative, particularly in e-discovery, um, you know, and now the relationship between so many of them going to Winston Strom, and that could be interesting. You know, but Howry, Howry ceased to make investments in right. people, process, and technology over the last three years. They were out of the gate very early, but they ceased to make the necessary investments in people, in process, and technology uh, over the last three-plus years. And I think that's really one of the things that's come to really bite them. Well, and David, you bring up a really good point on the investment in technology. I think these firms now that are investing in technology see this almost as an internal and external marketing tool. If they have a strong technology within their firm, they can recruit the best people and also use that as a marketing tool to uh, get major clients. And um, some firms are doing it, but again, I put those in the minority. Probably 25% of the Amlaw 200 are doing that really aggressively, uh, putting their spend in IT. We're in the throes of a very good discussion, but we're going to have to take a quick break to hear from our fabulous sponsor, LexisNexis, and we'll be back in just a couple moments. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager, is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge, or to learn more, visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. It's the office calling again. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, yeah. I need to do that, too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. That's perfect. The office can wait. Legal Talk Network has been producing award-winning legal podcasts since 2005. Subscribe to our RSS feed and start downloading today. It's free.
And we're back. I'm Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of Law Technology News, and I'm with David Cowan and Michael Potters, two headhunters in the New York and New Jersey. Uh, I guess that would be the dual state because we'd have to throw Connecticut in to be tri-state. Um, we've been talking about how the 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 sort of new movement the to buying tech again, which we definitely noticed that at Legal Tech New York. It, it, it seems like after the firms had been really holding their purses tight, that they're finally realizing, you know what, we got to start spending again. Uh, one of my personal theories on this is everybody hated Vista and avoided going to it. And now that we know that, that the mothership is not going to support uh, XP for too much longer, everybody's biting the bullet and going to Windows 7. But that's just part of it, I'm sure. What what are you two seeing um uh, in terms of this relationship to the firms well, you know, opening uh, up the checkbooks again? <laughs> this sort of goes back to the baby boomers to a certain degree. Uh, the lawyers, um, when I first got into this space 10 years ago, uh, that were driving most of the decisions were still basically Luddites that, that um, didn't want anything to do with technology when push all the technology decisions down the road. Well, now, uh, you know, for the most part, these uh, lawyers that have moved up to partner level are the ones that um, embrace technology all through college and have taken the technologies into the firm. So they have a high expectation of technologies and a high expectation of these firms to run seamlessly in there, which is why it's very important for these firms to make their spend on the technology uh, to make sure that they are running state-of-the-art systems that are running seamlessly, that are uh, making the lawyers comfortable with the work processes in there. Uh, one of the things that we're seeing as um, a very aggressive hires are people who know SharePoint Exchange 2010, yes, going into Windows 7, um, and, and a lot of help desk positions. All of that is to keep these uh, power attorneys uh, happy with the technology within the firm. Now, in the article, I can't remember which of the two of you brought this up, uh, but there was a suggestion that one of the things that's going to become more and more of a reality is uh, sending a lot of this work offshore, particularly to India. And, you know, there was such a burst in around 2009 about India, 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 you know, do you do offshoring or near nearshoring, you know, the U.S. or overseas? And it seemed to me that the whole Philippines, India, uh, 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 offshore for work kind of went cold. Is what are you seeing? Is that going to heat up again? Um, how is that going to impact um, litigation support and IT work? I think it's heating up now, and I think the you know I think it certainly did go cold because nobody wanted to be offshoring jobs politically. You know, major corporations were not about to offshore. Legal jobs, which were high paying during a, you know, during a, a recession. These are major U.S. brands, so they can't be moving that legal work off. Uh, as the economy comes back, which it has, and staffing and hiring comes, uh, comes back, which it is, uh, they take a look at some of these expenses. And, you know, over the last five years, let's just take the support, uh, you know, world. Over the last five years, we've offshored an awful lot of good work. Uh, let's just take it uh, to India. And the more work, even if it's contract review, it is legal work at some level. And the more of that low, lower-level work we send, the more they'll begin to get the middle level. And the more middle-level work they get, the more higher-level work they'll get. So whether you're looking at a three-year window, a five-year window, or dare I say a 10-year window, more and more of the substantive work is going to move offshore because they'll have the capability to do it. We're teaching them how to do it. We're teaching them better process, 
better legal skill, better legal thought, right? So what they can't do today, they will be able to do uh, tomorrow and the years after that. So uh, why would you pay $125,000 a year for a law department attorney when you could offshore that for twelve to 15000 You're just not going to be able to beat back that tsunami. I'm going to play devil's advocate here, though, with you, David, if you don't mind. Sure. One of the things that I've been seeing, though, and uh, seeing uh, maybe probably over the last year, is a move to have some nearshoring element with these LPO companies out there. So they're certainly set up in the Philippines and set up in India, but they're now setting up facilities in Virginia or in Pennsylvania or upstate New York or... Uh, in the Midwest somewhere to have some nearshoring where they're getting very highly educated, uh, talented people that are by universities uh, that they don't have to pay um, a, a high salaries for. So they're not uh, by the big cities. The reason that I think we're seeing this, and, and um, some of the uh, presidents of the companies have said this, is twofold. They get to do a blended pricing model where they have a very inexpensive offshoring to keep the pricing down, but then they have maybe higher skilled, the more important work is uh, set up nearshore, um, where uh, um, you have the lawyers can maybe visit the work, uh, and which is sort of an important model for them. Um, and you, with the blended pricing, it doesn't seem overall that expensive. The other thing that I have heard about some of the reason to do, do the nearshoring is uh the lawyers and the law firms are still not 100% comfortable with all the work going overseas. Uh, whether it's perception or reality, there's still this fear that anything can happen over there. And in light of the recent events in the Middle East, um, I think their concerns may be a little bit legitimate on there. So the companies that are now setting up nearshore may be the ones that might be in the best position to gain a lot of the work. So that's, so that's current state. So let me frame it a little bit differently. If offshoring, right? is X percent today. Let's say it's 3% or 5% today. Will it be 6 or 7% next year? And then will it be 7 and 8? And then will it be 8 and 9? And then will it be 9 or 10% of what, of what gets done? And in my opinion, is a very, I feel strongly about this, that every single year, offshoring will pick up some percentage points until it's a significant double-digit number. So yes, I believe we'll do nearshoring also. I, I, I agree with that completely. My point is that more and more and more of this over the next three to five to 10 years just continues. That number just grows every single year. I agree with you on that. But I, and, but I think the overall pricing model um, of offshoring will get very close to the nearshoring. I'm talking about about how many jobs go over. Not the pricing. That's a different argument. I agree with it. But how many of, of these U.S. legal jobs will go offshore, which dovetails right into your original question, Monica, which is, so what do we do about this baby boomer retirement? And the answer is, I'm not sure we need to do anything about it because there's a, a, growing, uh, a growing workforce in India and elsewhere, and that workforce is getting smarter and smarter, and there's no shortage of them. They're not retiring. They're, at that, they're, they're still before the boom, if you will. Does that make sense? And, and that brings us, we're getting close to the end. We could clearly spend many, many hours on this topic. We just have a couple minutes left, but uh, David and Michael, I'd like each of you, if you would, to give law firms and law departments the best, single most important piece of advice that you would uh, offer them for the next year. And let's start with David. Yeah, I think the if I was going to give law firms and law departments one piece of advice, it would begin, it would be to begin to really invest in your people, 
they are your number one asset. Uh, and to lose them, you know, in the war for talent that we're about to engage in again. You know, I'd say go back and think about 2004 to 2006 and 2006 to 2008 before the recession when we were fighting for talent. We're about to enter that again. History repeats. So if you can invest in your people with mentorship programs and coaching programs and retention programs, you don't have to lose your top talent. You shouldn't. I think it's, it's irresponsible to lose top talent. And if you invest in your people now, you'll be able to hold on to them for one extra cycle. And I think that's in the best interest of your firm. And that's what your clients demand and want of you. Michael, your shot. David, uh, you're going to be impressed. I agree with you 100%. I think the single most important thing the firms can do right now is bring in key talent on the junior level, create a farm team, but keep your talent. So um, have that mentorship program, which works a long way to satisfy the people who are at that senior level. Uh, when you have a, the mentorship program, you're going to uh, create a good loyal staff of farm team members that are going to grow within the firm for a long period of time. And I've, I've actually uh, also say invest in education. I'm surprised because I've, I've dealt in a lot of other fields, many other fields. I'm surprised um, how a few classes there are to educate this industry. This industry is not as educated uh, on the specifics of legal technology as one might think. And I think invest in that. Invest in the technologies. Make sure that if there are certifications out there that they get certified. If you're working on certain uh, software products, that they go through whatever classes there are in there. Invest in that so you create your experts. Uh, And I think that will go a long way in not only making the firm better uh, uh, with talent, but retaining the people. And I liked the idea that was broached in the article on the Commons Gold, which is to do cross-training where you have folks temporarily uh, take each other's job, which also helps protect your institutional memory. As I said, we could talk for hours, especially with these two. I want to thank David uh, Cowan from the Cowan Group and Michael Potters from the Glenmont Group for a fascinating podcast. I want to remind everyone that there are three places to hear our podcast. You can hear it at ALM's site, lawtechnologynow.com, or our partners, the Legal Talk Network, and their website, surprise, surprise, is legaltalknetwork.com. And as I always say, because we are so cool, we are in the iTunes podcast library. Uh, shout outs, as always, to the Boston team, Luann Reeb, Scott Hess, Mike Hockman, and Kate Caddy. And here in New York, David Jasper, David Snow, and Jill Winward at ALM. And as always, remember, there's no crying in baseball or technology. I'm Monica Bay, and we will see you in April. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Law Technology Now is produced by the broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. Join Monica Bay for next month's podcast on the technology issues affecting the legal profession today.